0: Welcome back to another episode of the CSK8 podcast. My name is Jared O'Leary. Each week of this podcast is either an episode with a guest or multiple guests, or a solo episode where I unpack some scholarship in relation to computer science education. In this week's particular episode, I am unpacking the paper titled Trans Voices Speak, Suggestions from Trans Educators About Working with Trans Students. This paper was written by Christopher Kayari, Felix A. Graham, Emma Joy Jampol, and Jared O'Leary. That's me. Here's the abstract for this particular paper. Quote, The social climate in the past decade has seen a rise in visibility of trans students in music classrooms and ensembles, leading to a need for scholarship on how to serve this growing population. Literature is being published to address this topic. However, the lack of scholarship by trans educators might lead many music educators to conclusions and practices that can be, at the very least, discouraging to some trans students and may disrupt their learning experiences. This article is written by four educators who identify as part of the trans community, a gender fluid and gender non-conforming individual, a trans man, a trans woman, and a gender non-binary person to fill this gap in the literature by illuminating some of the pitfalls inherent in the lack of discussions on and by trans people in music education. In addition, this article provides five actionable suggestions for working with trans students. One, learn about the trans community. Two, inspect your language and biases. Three, represent the diversity of trans people in your teaching. Four, promote healthy music making and identity development. And five, model allyship, end quote. If I were to summarize this article into a single sentence, I'd say that this article provides five suggestions from trans educators on working with trans students. And in this case, I'm using trans as the umbrella term, with a capital T, to indicate genders outside of the binary of male and female. Now, in the article, it specifically talks about music making and learning in relation to trans students. However, I'm going to relate this to computer science education, because I think it's really important. And if you haven't listened to it yet, check out the episode two weeks ago, which unpacked a paper that is also relevant to this particular topic. I'll include a link to that in the show notes, which you can find at jaredoliri.com, where you can also find hundreds, if not thousands, of free resources related to computer science education, including a link to bootuppd.org which is the nonprofit that I create curriculum for and collaborate on research projects. While you're on my website, if you think you'd be an excellent guest or can recommend an excellent guest for the show, hit the contact me button and just let me know. Always looking for more people to interview to discuss things relevant to computer science education. All right, so in the very first sentence of this paper, we wanna make it clear that transgender, broadly speaking, refers to gender identities outside of male and female labels which are typically assigned at birth. And as it mentioned in the abstract, each of the authors identifies within the trans community. So Kayari is gender non-conforming or gender fluid. Graham is a trans man. Jampole is a trans woman. And then myself, I'm non-binary. However, we explicitly state in the article that this is just four perspectives within the trans community. There are many more gender identities outside of the four mentioned, and there's many more different perspectives even within those identities. So just because I'm non-binary doesn't mean I have the same perspectives on this as another non-binary individual. So it's important when speaking about the trans community that we don't essentialize the community itself or gender identities within them. One of the reasons why I'm so public about my gender identity being non-binary is I want more people to understand that, hey, you're not alone, there are other people out there who feel the same way similar way as you. All right, so in the first main section after the introduction it's titled Trans Students as Identities in Music Education and it provides some very specific examples of how discourse in education can be gendered. So for example if you say good morning boys and girls or welcome ladies and gentlemen that is presenting a gender binary as opposed to saying something like good morning everyone Or, how you doing, folks? However, there's also some gender-related associations with instruments, some of this by design. So, for example, I used to teach drumline, and the way that the early drumline carriers or harnesses, however you want to call them, were designed was like a T-bar. So you'd have a metal bar going down the center of your chest, and it would form a T that would go across your pecs or your breasts, And then go up and around your shoulder. This makes it so it's very uncomfortable to have a drum if you have breasts because it will dig into them on the corners of the t-bar. Now they have adjusted carriers in the last decade or so and they have made it so you can adjust the carrier or harness to different body shapes, sizes, etc. So it's more inclusive for different body types but I know one of the people who helped contribute to the original design of the t-bar and they specifically mentioned they didn't have any drummers with breasts on the drum line so They didn't take that into consideration in the design. Now, as I've mentioned previously, the way that you set up your classroom or the types of identities that are represented in your curriculum or the kinds of projects that you can create, all of these can have some gendered associations with them whether it's overt or more subtle. So it's important for us to think about not only what we say to students, but also how gender is represented or embedded within the things that they engage in in the classroom. As an example that came out of my dissertation work, the Nintendo Game Boy is gendered in the name itself. It didn't need to be called the Game Boy or Game Girl. In fact, the original name for the Game Boy was called the Dot Matrix Game. That was at least the internal name that they used before they marketed it as the Game Boy. All right, so the next section of the paper dives into the five actionable things that were mentioned in the abstract. So this is the bulk of the paper itself. Rather than talking about the research behind transgender communities and transgender individuals we wanted to just really focus on here are some actionable things that you can do whether you're a cis individual or a trans individual when working with trans students so the first one is learn about the trans community and i'm going to read the first couple of sentences because i think it's important to point this out quote learning about the context in which students live can help teachers know the history excitements pressures and challenges of their students communities however Young trans students may feel that explaining their gender, gender identity, and gender expression to a teacher would be exciting, terrifying, honorable, mundane, or more likely a combination of many emotions. Accordingly, although trans people are experts on their own lives and their own gender expressions, they are not obligated to confide in or teach educators about their gender identities, expressions, or understandings," end quote. That's from page three. Now this is extremely important to note that although trans individuals are their own experts on themselves, there is no obligation for them to talk about identity to anyone. We want to make sure that we do not put trans individuals on display or make them feel as though they need to defend or explain themselves to anyone. So if you want to learn about the trans community, which I highly recommend doing, feel free to search online or ask people like myself who are willing to talk about it. But just because you happen to know a trans individual doesn't mean you should go up to them and ask them, hey, so what's it like being trans? Insert any other demographic there and you'd see pretty quickly that's pretty problematic. Now when you are actually going out to learn more about the trans community, just make sure that you're trying to get a diverse representation. Again, there are many more gender identities outside of the binary than what were mentioned in the abstract from the authors. There are many different perspectives and things to learn about, and I say that for myself as well. I'm still learning about the trans community. Even though I'm a member of it, I still have a lot to learn. So if you happen to be a cis individual and you're listening to this and you feel like you have a lot to learn, so do I. It's okay. And the next section up here, the next actionable suggestion that we have for you is to inspect your language and biases. So I mentioned this a little bit earlier. So for example, instead of saying good morning boys and girls, you can just say good morning. However, one thing that we mention in here is that terminology related to the trans community, trans identities, even broadly speaking, the queer community, the LGBTQIA plus community, those terms change. So one of the examples that we give is that previously the terms transsexual and female to male or male to female were previously acceptable terms to use. However, these different expressions or terms for many individuals are now considered problematic. So in general, some people prefer transfeminine or trans masculine as opposed to those other terms. However, Some people within the trans community still identify as transsexual and do not feel that the term is derogatory, while others do. So just know there's no consensus on the terminology with it. So if you get it wrong, I get it wrong too sometimes. And really, whether or not it's viewed as wrong kinda depends on who you're talking to. What you can do, however, is ask students if they feel comfortable sharing what terms they prefer or what pronouns they prefer, and asking for feedback if you happen to use any terms that come across as offensive unintentionally. If they do happen to point that out, listen to them, thank them for giving you that feedback, and then just move on. Mistakes happen. The goal is to not make a big deal out of mistakes like that, but to acknowledge mistakes and just simply learn from them, and then progress forward. One thing to note about the language in relation to speaking with students is sometimes students will ask for preferred pronouns in front of you or in front of the class, that might be different than what they use at home. And this might relate to whether or not they are out to their family as being within the trans community. So it's important to consider which pronouns are preferred in what context. So it might help to clarify with certain students and you can do this anonymously by like having them fill out a form at the beginning of the year and then just says like their name on their roster, the name they like to be called and then any pronouns they like to be called and then you can clarify which pronouns should I use with you individually with the class or at home and if you're listening to that and you go okay that sounds like too much to remember again yes you might make mistakes doing that but this relates to the gender dysphoria that can happen when you use the wrong pronouns with somebody so it can really help with mental health and just making it so that students feel safer and feel like they can actually come to school to learn so even though it's some effort on our end from the educators end it's well worth it in terms of mental health and whatnot being able to help kids if you do have that form filled out and you have questions you can ask to meet with the Student one-on-one, and encourage them to bring like a trusted friend to help with that conversation, just to make sure they don't feel like they have to go in alone. One last thing that we mentioned in this particular section on the language related to trans community is that there a lot of the umbrella terms kind of lump together things, like the LGBTQI plus refers to both gender and sexuality, so that can be confusing at times. So in general, if possible, rather than using the umbrella term, maybe refer specifically to a particular gender identity or expression or sexuality or whatever that you're referring to, rather than just saying the umbrella term. So the third actionable suggestion that we have is to represent the diversity of trans people in your teaching. Now we mentioned again that the trans community is very diverse for the number of gender identities or expressions that exist within the umbrella. So it's good to have representation in your class that is equally diverse when it comes to gender. And you can do this by sharing video games or programs or apps or whatever created by Trans individuals or highlighting trans individuals or talk about CS in the trans community, whatever. There's many different options for you here. Just making sure that you do not tokenize like here's what a trans CS educator looks like or a trans CS professional looks like. But I also am fully aware of how difficult that can sometimes be, especially if you're engaging in like instructional design or something. Like we create some different media for our instructional coaches at Boot Up. And in that media, it's got like animated characters who are like in a classroom, like teaching, learning, etc., engaging in different projects. And so the animations embody the message that we're trying to get across through those videos. Now in those videos, we do have a range of different skin colors and gender expressions that are in there. When it comes to the gender expression side of things, we might have different facial hair, different clothing, different hair types or lack of like myself, etc. These are all different ways that you can kind of represent diversity across gender through the media that you share. And if you're not creating media or things like that, you can just talk about it or find others who do and highlight them. I So the fourth, actionable suggestion that we give is on promoting healthy music making and identity development. So the healthy music making side of things often refers to like vocal range and things like that. So I'm not going to talk about that in relation to computer science education just because it's very different unless you listen to the April Fool's episode where I mentioned Having puppets sing in falsetto made it so that kindergartners learn C++, which if you haven't listened to that episode, it makes me laugh even just thinking about it. So I highly recommend taking a look at it. I definitely fooled some people, and there's a link to it in the show notes if you haven't listened to it. The episode is titled, I Can't Read But I Can Code colon, using puppets to teach C++ to pre-readers, colon, a quasi-experimental critical phenomenological mixed method case study, which having two colons in the title just makes me laugh. Anyways, tangent over. All right, so zooming back out, the main portion of this section is we wanted to make it clear like, hey, the things that you do in the classroom can have an impact on mental and even physical health. So it's important for educators to consider how they can support trans individuals in those areas. Now, one of the sections in here that we talk about is a discussion around gendered ensembles. So if you've seen some ensembles in K-12 schools, they'll sometimes be like a men's choir or a girls choir. Same thing with instruments, etc. Now there's a lot of debate about whether or not those are helpful or not. So this directly relates to some of the movements related to gender, like having Girls Who Code Club after school. On one hand, this provides potentially, a safe space for girls to attend. But on the other hand, it can be done in a way that is not equitable if it is preventing some gender identities from attending. And it is the only CS offering in that school. Now, I'm going to kind of leave that debate open. I won't necessarily share my perspectives on that right now. But I will say that for some, having that space where they can go and feel safe, expressing themselves and their gender identity in relation to computer science education, for some, that is very beneficial. And then for others, that might cause some harm. For example, if it's a Girls Who Code club and the person is actually a trans man, but they want to participate with their friends in the class, this might cause some gender dysphoria, while for others it might cause gender euphoria. So it's something to consider, but what I'd recommend is having many different options, many different ways to participate in CS, if that's available in your school. Otherwise, just making it so that everybody and anyone can join. And again, I say that with having interviewed multiple people who have specifically focused on increasing participation among women in CS. I think it's very noble that they want to do that. I think it's wonderful, but it's just something to consider about how this relates to your particular class and the kids that you work with. Now, the last actionable thing that we suggest in here is to model allyship. And so on page six, it says, quote, we conceive of allies as members of the dominant social group who support and advocate for the oppressed transgender communities, end quote, one of the things that we mentioned here is that there's been a push for anti-racist approaches rather than just saying that you are not racist. And the same thing can be said about anti-transphobic, anti-homophobic, etc. So it's not enough to just be silent about this or for you to, as an individual, not be transphobic. We need to actively engage in anti-transphobic practices to help out the trans community, whether that be through emotional support or simply cultivating a space where the kids that you work with can be free to express themselves how they would like to in their classroom. There are many different ways that you can model allyship. So I'm going to read the last paragraph in this particular section on modeling allyship, and I'm going to change the word slightly so that it says like computer science teachers or computer science educators instead of music teachers. So this is from page six. Quote, computer science educators can create safer spaces and confront preconceived notions, ignorance, and microaggressions by communicating classroom expectations and procedures that challenge transphobia and oppression. When a student does something that can hurt a trans classmate, teachers should address the action, explain why it is not acceptable, and move on. Some conversations may be uncomfortable, yet they can be highly constructive if people are open-minded and teachers insist that students' identities are not attacked. In contrast, zero tolerance policies that shut down dialogues may not be conducive to learning acceptable behaviors and may reinforce an authoritarian environment rather than one that promotes growth, understanding, and acceptance. By insisting that students replace unacceptable language and actions with uplifting words and deeds, computer science educators can serve as allies in respecting trans people's identities, bodies, and lives." And just a slight modification again to make it relevant to CS educators. Now one other thing that I want to point out is that there are two tables in here that might be useful for you. So the first table is on definitions of key terms, so it unpacks what is gender non-conforming, gender fluid, gender queer, Non-binary, transfeminine, and transmasculine mean. If those terms are unfamiliar to you, that table will hopefully help out. And then the second table is on some readings and resources that can assist you with working with trans students. So the first section is on trans identities in history. The second section is on trans identities in education. The third one, which might not be as relevant, is on trans identities in music. And then the fourth one is on online resources for trans people and allies. So I highly recommend checking out table two if you're interested in reading more of those, which is our first suggestion about learning more about the trans community. All right, so at the end of each one of these unpacking scholarship episodes, I like to share some of my lingering questions and thoughts. And these episodes where I actually unpack a paper that I helped write or wrote on my own is a little awkward because, like, I was part of the writing process, so I don't really have many questions. So I guess a question that I might ask is, what questions do you have for the authors? whether it be just for myself or any of the other three individuals that I was fortunate enough to write this paper with. Also, what suggestions are missing? While well, we did spend a significant portion of time thinking through different suggestions that would be actionable and helpful for educators, especially cis educators. Maybe we missed something. Whether you have a question for me or you have a suggestion, feel free to reach out using the contact me button on my website at jaredleary.com or just simply let me know what you think. If you enjoyed this particular episode, there are many other episodes that talk about gender in relation to computer science education. I'll include a link to some of those in the show notes. I'd especially recommend checking out the paper by Judith Butler, which is on gender as performance or performativity. It is the most listened to episode out of all of them. And the next set of episodes most listened to are actually Paulo Freire's book, Pedagogy of the Oppressed, all four of those chapters. So I highly recommend checking those out too. But if you enjoyed these episodes, please consider sharing with somebody else. Last time I checked, I have a 4.9 out of 5 on... Apple Podcast for the rating. That's awesome. Thank you for those of you who have rated it and thank you for those of you who have shared this with others. I really appreciate it. Just trying to get these free resources out to people that help out the field. Stay tuned next week for another interview and the following week for another Unpacking Scholarship episode. Until then, I hope you're all staying safe and are having a wonderful week.